everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcome. I am joined today by an awesome guest. Um, we are going to be talking about um, the power of being a leader worth following. And my guest today, John, has had an exceptional career in the military, and I wanted to make sure that we had the entire 30 minutes to talk about him and his book and his experiences and all of the great nuggets that he's going to share with you on how you can truly become a leader worth following. Welcome, John. How are you? Very good. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, when I found your, your book on, on Twitter, and I looked at the title and I was just like, oh my God, your experience has been amazing. So just start out by telling people um, a little bit about what your background is so that they can understand why they should be listening to you. Okay. So um, I, I, I got in the world of leadership at a very young age. I was just 23 years old and I showed up to my first leadership job, which happened to be in the Navy, I was on a submarine during the Cold War, and uh, my first leadership job was running a small department of technicians that operated all the reactor controls for a nuclear submarine. So I was in the Navy uh, for five years, but uh, that was my first you know, job working with people and, and trying to be a, a leader. And it was in a very interesting kind of environment because a submarine is a very interesting workplace because you can't go home at the end of the day. You're stuck with all the same people. You're all together and you're that way for three months in a row. So it was a really, really great uh, early leadership experience that I later took on to the corporate world. Well, you know, and, and it's interesting because when I read that in your bio, and not only are you in the military where you can't go anywhere, um, two, you're on a submarine where you really can't get away from anywhere. I mean, it's really right. tight quarters. And then the added stress of being on a nuclear submarine, right. <laughs> talk about a, um, a, uh, uh, a really high stress environment. So, um, so how did you take this opportunity um, and actually looking at it as an opportunity to not only hone, fine tune your leadership skills, but also becoming someone that people wanted to follow and not just felt they were obligated to follow. Mm, sure, sure. So that's really interesting. Um, in a lot of cases, when I came out of the military, people were saying, well, you're, you're from the military, so you expect a command and control structure and people to respect you because of your rank. But on a submarine, it was, it was a lot different. We, uh, I like to say we were all in the same boat. So we wore essentially the same uniforms. We ate the same food. There were no privileges or perks for officers or senior enlisted or enlisted. So we were all in it together. So we developed very deep relationships with each other, regardless of what rank we were in. Mm -hmm. So um, because we stood these watches six hours at a time with maybe four to eight people in a certain watch area, and we would just spend you know, many hours together. So we developed deep relationships. And so becoming a leader worth following is all about relationships. It's all about getting to know people, who they are, how they tick, and how to motivate them to, to do great things. So those lessons for the submarine, those, you know, spending a lot of time together in tight, tight quarters with the people that, you, that work for you really helped me to become a better leader when I came into the corporate world. 
And, you know, it's, it's interesting that you talk about relationships because, you know, the latest Gallup survey says that 77% of employees feel disengaged. I mean, 77% of people feel like they have no voice, that they're not connected, that they have no relationships. Now, I know being in a submarine, you have no choice but to relate because you have no place else to go. Correct. But you talk about how you have translated that into the corporate world and, and into business. So what tips can you give our listeners about you know, how they can make that shift um, from feeling like they're obligated to being there um, mm -hmm. to feeling as if they really have a sense of engagement and cultivating that sense of engagement with the people that they work with. Sure, yeah. So if you think about it, when people first come, come to, to, to their first job or to any job, they come, they're very excited, right? They want to contribute. They want to do a good job. They, some people have studied their whole life to get into a certain job, you know, maybe a professional field or what have you. And so they come in and they are 100% engaged, right? They want to be involved. They want to know what's going on with the business. They want to they help. They want to be a part of it. And then over time, as leaders and managers sort of ignore them or they are, you know, they're so busy that they don't listen to their ideas or their inputs, people get frustrated. Mm -hmm. They see... Uh, they, they see people get really good people get passed over for promotions and you know over time they just say you know I'm just gonna do my job and then go home They're, you know and so they go from hundred percent engaged to like the number you said down to like 23 percent engaged mm -hmm. so we lose all of that engagement as people get frustrated so part of being a leader worth following is you know, recognize that number one, that leadership is a people business, right? So a lot of people in corporate America, they are promoted because they were really good individual contributors, right? They were amazing engineer. Mm -hmm. And so they got a chance to be in charge of all of the engineers. So they're now the engineering manager, right? So they might have a, a department of 12 people. Many a times those people, they get a management title and they go back into their office and they say they continue to do drawings and they continue to do engineering work and the people out there are saying oh well you know are you our boss right are you a <laughs> are you a doer or are you a leader so part of part of getting people to be engaged is actually being a leader so a leader is this right it's it's someone who influences people towards achieving a goal right so right. there's three things there's there's influence Mm -hmm. There's people, and then there's a goal, okay? So many leaders, many managers in corporate America have forgotten about these three things. They've forgotten that their, their job is to influence people towards a goal. So they forget these things, and then they go back in their office, and they work on their to-do list or their email list, and they forget that they have people that are actually reporting to them, and they want to see the people want to see their boss. They want to see what's going on with the company. So I think people start off wanting to be engaged, but I think through conditions in the workplace, they just feel frustrated. And so they just say, you know what, it's not worth it. Yeah. And, and it's very interesting that you, you mentioned that there's those three components of leadership with influence, mm -hmm. people, and goals. Um, uh, and, and the example you gave is spot on. People are recognized for their individual contribution. Mm -hmm. They get promoted because for some reason, corporations believe if you do a good job individually at what you do, yes. then you're going to be great at making other people better so they can do a good job at what you do. Right. But that doesn't always translate. And it's amazing because that exact scenario I've seen played out over and over again when I work with companies and they say, oh, well, we trained you 
it's mm. like, well, no, that's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Yeah. And, and I find it interesting. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, and we'll talk about the influence people and goals individually. But one of the things that you mentioned is that people don't realize that it is about, it's not about you anymore. When mm, you become exactly. a leader, you have mm -hmm. to come outside of your office and outside of your little cubby hole yes. and start interacting with people. And, and I, case in point, my brother is an amazing cybersecurity expert. Amazing. Mm. He is, he goes in, he changes, you know, departments. He goes in and he, he troubleshoots. He's able to pick apart stuff and he's like, this is what we do and this is how we do it. And they have offered him several promotions everywhere he goes where he would move up to management. And this is how well he knows himself. He tells them no. I'm not good. I'm not a good manager. I'm not mm. a good leader. You know why? Because I don't want to babysit people. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and he said, I just want to do my work. I don't want to have to deal with your issues. I don't want to have to reschedule. I don't want to have to make sure you're motivated. I just want yeah. you to do your job. Yes. And I said, but you know, if you make everybody else better, wouldn't that make your job better? And he said, I know myself. I just fire everybody and start all over again. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, it, you, you nailed it, right? Being a leader, leadership is a whole different set of skills than being an individual contributor, right? So, I mean, you could be a great engineer, you could be a great uh, uh, supply chain professional, you could be a great quality assurance uh, manager or what have you. But then when you're asked to lead and actually, you know, run a department of the people that are doing what you used to do, we tend to go back to our comfort zone, right? Oh so gosh. we're like, oh, leading it, leading people is difficult. People are messy. People have problems. Right. I could just go back to my office and work on what I what I used to do as an individual contributor, and then I'm I'm in that comfort zone again. So I'm not in that uncomfortable world of dealing with people. And um, so I, you know, I think part of the part of the problem is people choose leadership roles because they think, well, I'm going to get a promotion. I'm going to get more mm -hmm. money. It's going to look good. I get a really nice title. I get a better office. They want the perks of leadership, but they don't necessarily want uh, the responsibility of leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have, when I say, and, and the name of the book is I Have the Watch, but when you have the watch, mm -hmm. you're responsible for not just the performance of your department or your organization, but you're also responsible for the people. And, and, and we forget that sometimes. And so, um, so I always remind people that it's not just the, the business results, but it's also the people that work in the organization. You're responsible for both of them. And that is a really great point because in, in the work that I do with um, facilitating outcomes, um, I've gone into organizations and they've said, here are our goals. We want to increase our market share. We want to increase our profitability. We need to increase productivity, whatever their tangible goals are. Then they come back and they say, well, why isn't this working? Mm. we've trained our people. They should know right. how to do this. And right. I said, well, you have to equip people to manage change, which means you have to equip them to be uncomfortable. You have mm. to deal with engagement. You have to deal with learning because you're, you're trying to get them to do something different and right. you have to deal with leadership. And, and people don't, they, they have all of these leadership training guides and books and, you know, intensives you go to go through, but really they're still focusing on, a metric or a goal mm -hmm. or a mm -hmm. benchmark, but they're not really focused on the people side of yeah. the business and, and mm -hmm. the fact that you cannot 
be a good leader if you are not engaged with your people. And really, you have subject matter experts that have to shift and you're no longer an expert in your craft. You now have to become an expert in people. People, exactly, so, yes. So for people who are not naturally disposed, predisposed <laughs> to that, what kind of tangible tips would you give them to, to help them kind of making, you know, start to make that, that pivot a little bit? Okay. So one thing is, is, is I'll, I'll acknowledge this, right? People are, are messy. I, I, I like to say that because it is true, right? Everybody has uh, approaches things differently, right? People have all sorts of different kinds of backgrounds and personalities and, and histories. And there's, there's, there's age issues and gender issues and race issues. There's all these things that are going on in the workplace, right? But I think, and, and, and we want to try to control it, right? We want everything to, everybody to do things the same way. But the, as soon as you recognize that every person is different and every person is motivated differently, they, mm -hmm. they respond to change differently, once you get, at, get that in your mind that everyone's going to act a little bit different, then you can just relax a little bit, right? And you just deal with people one-on-one -on -one, like you do in all of your personal relationships outside of work, right? With your, your family and your friends and what have you, right? It's the one-on-one, -on -one, those one-on-one -on -one discussions. So, you know, stop thinking that everybody's going to be the same and you're going to take a cookie cutter approach to leadership. There is no such thing as a cookie cutter approach to leadership. Oh my gosh, say that again. <laughs> embrace it I mean I said you know people everyone's unique just embrace them and I'll say this it's a weird thing for, for me to say but you've got to love people you just got to love them and and recognize that yes okay everybody's got a different approach to them but if you love them you just accept their flaws and you you try to motivate them to, to become a better version of themselves and, and that's what leadership is about it's about sometimes saying okay this person isn't isn't the ideal person in this role, but, but they can really do it if they, you know, if I motivate them properly. And, you know, it's very interesting that you, that you put it that way in terms of you have to love people and mm -hmm. that we should really look at leadership as our personal relationships. Because, yes. I mean, we all have family that we just don't really get. Yes. Yes. <laughs> people that you're like, if you just did what I said, it would work out so much better for you. Right. Right. But you know you have to have a different approach and you know you have to take that person as they are and figure out ways, especially if you've got kids, you know, figure out ways to motivate them, but at the same time, embrace their strengths Yes. and, yes. and be able to help them to see how they can become better with your yes. assistance and your support and your guidance. Now, most people, when they think of the military, they think of it's my way or the highway, you do it the right. way I, I say do it, you follow orders, you don't ask questions, there is no individuality, it's all about us. So it's kind of interesting that you have this approach considering that you're in the military, um, and like you said, people automatically believe that that's um, what you do. So tell me a little bit about what that mindset shift was like for you. Is, it, is that who you are naturally, or was that something that was cultivated as well in your military experience and moving past that into your corporate experience. Mm -hmm. So I think I think one side of it was the military in that the very unique uh, role I served in the military. I, I made seven deployments uh, on a submarine during the Cold War, right? So so we were in tight spaces, and I like to say there was no escape from a bad colleague, right? So you were if you had uh, somebody working for you that. Um, 
had problems, you couldn't just send them off to HR or write them off or you know get them transferred. You had to figure out how to get the job done with people that maybe aren't weren't the perfect fit for your personality type. So I think it started in the military. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I came into corporate America as a young leader, I I thought I had all the answers, right? I I had you know I had I had an engineering degree, I had all this military experience. Um, I had an MBA. I was going to go take the world by storm, but the, the 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 I got into a lot of situations where I was working with people that knew a lot more information than I did about the role. So I came. I, I was 32 years old, and I ran my first manufacturing plant. I had never run a manufacturing plant in my life. I walk into my job, and I'm filled with a a, a senior team, very experienced. That know they know what they're doing. They don't need some young kid telling them what to do. So you quickly learn to step back a little bit and learn how to be humble. You learn how to listen. You learn how to to, to observe and and watch and you know and 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 you learn to to you need to get up to speed as quick as you can on some of the things that you don't know. Uh, but I think it's it's about it's about being humble and about listening and 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 just showing respect to your senior people and listening to them and getting their input and then trying to form your own opinion as you're, as you're listening to the people that work for you. So I think a lot of people come into a, to, to a job like that and say, I'm the boss, I'm in charge. This is the way it's going to be done. Mm. Oh, really? You're, yeah. 30, you're, you're 32 years old. There's people working in this plant that have been here for 32 years old. How much more do you know than they know? So it's about respecting the people that have been there for a long time and, 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 being willing to listen and being willing to be humble. Uh, and I think not enough people do that. You know, they say, I'm the boss, I'm in charge. But I think the answers, right, to what you need to do to solve your problems in your business are all, they all reside inside the four walls. It's just about talking to people and learning and listening. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it's interesting about, um, you know, your, your idea of I'm going to come in here and I'm going to be in charge. Um, that's true when you're the junior member in terms of age coming into an organization where everyone else is older, they've been there and so right. on. But that's also true. I, um, in one of my past lives, I was a first grade teacher. And ah. one of the things <laughs> I recognized is that control is really, per, is really subjective <laughs> yes. Yes. because when you're the only adult and you've got 28, six year olds, <laughs> <laughs> At any given time, if they realize, you know what, if there's more of us than there are of her. So it's, it's that whole thing of building that relationship and that trust where you don't have the mutiny on your hands. Yes. Um, yes. Because I can imagine that they could have really made your life miserable. Um, you know, if you had stuck to your guns and come in and said, you know, hey, I'm the big man in charge and you have to do what I say. And so you've, you've had some interesting experiences that have led to your philosophy. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit more about your book. Um, and, and, you know, what, what can people expect? Where can they get it? Um, what led you to writing it to write it? Mm -hmm. um, because I want to, I want to spend some time talking about that. Okay. So, um, you know, in my mind, I thought that uh, at the end of my career, I would get out of corporate America, and I would teach, I would go to university and teach leadership. I, I really love what I do. Uh, that was my plan all along. But then at, uh, I guess I was uh, 49 years old and I started my own manufacturing business. And so uh, 
I've, I'm doing that now and I absolutely love it. So I, I, I'm getting a chance to, to do all the things I wanted to do that I couldn't necessarily do in corporate America. I'm doing it in my own business now. Um, but I still wanted to teach. I still felt like, um, I, you know, I've been in leadership for 30 years and I felt like I, there's a lot for me to, to, to teach and to show. And, and so I've been writing leadership articles for a number of different websites for about six years. And I decided, you know, it's probably time to, to, to do something more like a book. And um, so, so the, the, the book was released last year. It's called I Have the Watch. And um, in it, it's really, I, I purposely wrote it this way. It's an easy read. So there's 23 chapters. There's 23 short stories on um, ways to be a, a, a better leader. And it all comes from my experience in the military and then in corporate America leading. I've led nine different manufacturing plants in my career. And so I tell some stories from that and, uh, and just... So when you, when you finish the book, and you, and you should read it in about two hours, it should only take about two hours to read it, and then you come away with, with a lot of actionable ad advice and tips and things that you can really, you know, implement right away. It's not an academic book. It's really based on practical experience from, you know, what, what I've seen in the past 30 years with people. And, um, you know, and it's, uh, and it's really focused on the people side of business. So so, you know, how do you motivate people? One, one of the topics, for example, is the, the power of your presence, right? So we, we don't underestimate, we, we tend to underestimate the power of, of, of us just being there. Just when a, when a leader walks in a room, things change, right? right. And uh, I remember I was giving a class uh, at Duke University on leadership. And um, one of the students asked me, how do you know if you're a good leader or not? And I said, well, if you walk up to a group of your employees and they all change the subject subject immediately. You probably have some work to do. <laughs> but your your presence is really important, and um, and just just by being there, right? Just by getting out and wandering through the workplace, talking to people, people think, oh, he cares, she cares, mm -hmm. and it's really it's a simple simple it's, it's simple enough to just get get out of your office and go walk to where your, your people are and just observe what's going on. I think it, your, your, your presence is very powerful and we need, you, need to, you need to see and you need to be seen as a leader. You can't just sequester yourself in a conference room or an office. You have to get out, you have to be with your people. You have to show your interest, interested in their lives and what they're working on. And, and that's, these are just some simple things. And so a lot of those stories are, are in the book too. Kind of help people to remind them of some basic things about leadership and and that's great i love the fact that you use stories as you know teachable moments because one thing i've recognized is that most people have um we learn by making connections and mm, so yes. when we hear of another person's experience we can connect to that in some way and say oh i remember something similar to this or i had this same type of experience and then it also helps people to put themselves in your shoes and see things yes. through a different lens and say, oh, okay, this is what that looks like um, actually in action. So I love the fact that there are, there are all these little stories in it. And, um, and, you know, me, I'm all about actionable items because mm -hmm. I think that so often we get all of this information that is just, you know, weighing us down and we never do anything with it. So that's the problem. Yes. Yeah, and and so we we are so information heavy that yes. we 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 have analysis by paralysis because we don't implement anything. 
So yes. I, I truly appreciate the fact that your book is different. Um, I love the, the angle that you come from and the subject matter. I appreciate you joining us today. It has been amazing talking to you and, and I know that we'll be connecting and, and talking more. Um, and I would love for you to tell people how they can find your book, how they can, you know, ask you to be a guest on a podcast or, sure, or sure. to speak or, or just tap into your expertise. Okay, great. Well, the book is I Have the Watch and it's available at IHaveTheWatch.com. It's that simple. Uh, I'm actually available at JohnSRenny.com and it's a J-O-N, not J-O-H-N, but JohnSRenny.com. And there is all my social links. Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I love having uh, discussions about leadership on Twitter. So my Twitter is John S. Rennie, uh, that simple. But um, I have the watch.com and you can get it. I mean, the book is available. Um, it's in paperback and Kindle and it's uh, in, on Audible as well. So all the different ways that you uh, can, can get a book, it's there at I have the watch.com. I do signed copies as well. And also, I have a podcast as well, and that's deep, <laughs> deepleadershippodcast.com. It's brand new, and uh, we're starting to uh, put out episodes. And one of the reasons is I notice people are listening more than they're reading these days. So yes. I've, 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 I've kind of dove into the world of podcasting. So Awesome. Well, congratulations. Um, it is definitely not for the faint of heart. <laughs> I <see that>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I've loved it. And um, I, I tell people often, I started my podcast uh, 15 months ago on a dare. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it was one of those things where somebody told me, oh, you can't do that. And I was like, watch right. me. Yeah. Right. So here I am. Um, but it's great because I get to talk to people like you and I get yeah. to share a lot of really great information with people. And, um, and it's like you said, it is another example of understanding people and knowing what they need. And even though you have the book um, as something they can refer to, people are listening more than they're reading it these days. Yes. So it's great. So make sure that you follow him on Twitter. You, you go to his website, check out the book. It's called I Have the Watch, Becoming a Leader Worth Knowing at IHaveTheWatch.com. Um, find him on Twitter. That's where I found him. I love the discussions that you have. And so um, I wanted to thank everyone for joining us. Make sure that you connect with him. You can visit my website at carsgroup.com. That's K-A-R-S group.com. There is a page on my website um, for podcasts, and there will be a page specifically for John with all the links of how you can get in touch with him, connect with him on Twitter, purchase the book, um, as well as the link to his podcast so that you can listen in and subscribe. Thank you again for joining us. I am Keisha Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcome by equipping your people to manage and embrace change. This has been another exciting episode of Mindset to Mastery, where we not only give you tools, tips, strategies, and actionable items, but we indeed help you to change your mindset and master your success. Until next time, make it a great one.